Welcome back to yet another episode of the YOY podcast, because yeah, we're still doing it. I am Tyler, still again with Tyler. Neither of us have been recast as of yet. There's You're still, still going to have to deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very early. <laughs> it is very early in the process. Still getting our feedback. Is there a third Tyler we could bring in? I've, I've met a couple. I'm keeping tabs on them, keeping them, keeping them on the back burner. <laughs> so I think, I think the one thing that we might need is, is a third Tyler's perspective on this. Mm-hmm. Get three-dimensional with it. I completely agree. But I think we should make sure that he has the perfect blend between your voice and my voice to really make it just an amalgamation of voices that no one can really tell the difference. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to make this whole experience as confusing as possible for everyone involved, including you and me. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's really the goal of any, any endeavor when you set out to confuse and anger as many people as possible. Hey, speaking of confusing and angering. Yeah. I know that last episode I teased you a little bit. You did. I, I, I gave you just a little bit of a snippet as to what we would be talking about this episode. And I think I said the words... Third baseman mm-hmm. and all-star. Yeah. Uh, that could bring to mind, I think, a couple of people that I definitely think deserve a podcast episode about them. Um, those two And we'll get, to, we'll get to all of them. We'll, we will definitely get to all of them. Don't worry. Um, dear listener, do not worry. We will cover all of them. The first being Adrian Beltre. Mm-hmm. I, I label him the one that got away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if the Seattle Mariners was a person, I like to imagine him like running after Adrian Beltre as he leaves on a bus for like mm-hmm. some World War II you know, kind of thing. And he's waving out the window and the Mariners are running after him saying, don't go. Yeah. Yeah, he was the one that existed before and then got away. And then <laughs> yes. in the middle, there was the Seattle Mariners. Yep. Yep. But that's for that's for another day and that's another, for another day. and another stiff drink. <laughs> for for today though, there was the one that that arrived and then immediately failed, and and it hurts it hurts so bad, and it's the the player that made me really want to do this podcast because, again, as I mentioned in the first episode, I feel like a crazy person. Mm-hmm. When you think about the total drop-off in talent that is one, Sean Figgins. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I just, I don't understand it. I think we can use this episode to try to understand it. I don't think we will. I think we'll just wind up um, being angry and sad. Uh, and that's okay, because that's what this is for. <laughs> it is, exactly. <laughs> it's not therapy until you cry on the couch. So. Exactly. Um, which is why I'm I'm supplementing again uh, this podcast uh, with some moose drool, some mm-hmm. some delicious uh, Montana beer. Yeah, and that's some after you pre-funked with some with some hard stuff. I can neither confirm nor deny. I can confirm. I watched it. I saw it happen. <laughs> <laughs> I know last last podcast we had a, a little bit of a, a stat. Mm-hmm. If you will, stat of the podcast. Do you have anything? I do. The stat for this podcast for Sean Figgins is one. The one. stat is one. Yeah, because Sean Figgins can he can point to the one singular moment 
that completely derailed his career, and it happened 10 games into his Seattle, <laughs> his Seattle tenure. And we know that this is the point because he will not stop talking about it. <laughs> I, um, I am really, really excited to see Sean Figgins write a tell-all about like a two-hour episode that, that happened six years ago. And yeah. it's, it's going to be like a 400-page manifesto. Yeah. It's going to be like an entire season of 24. <laughs> but it's going to be just about that like ninth inning. <laughs> it's, it, is, it is really interesting, though, like going into Figgins and everything that happened to him, there's no history of injury. Nope. It is, it's a really good test case for an amazing and incredibly talented player inexplicably, like, getting the yips. I don't know yeah. what it is, but it's this is This is, I believe, is the gypsy woman's finest work. <laughs> that damn gypsy woman. I know. She, she will not leave. She has honed her craft. And this is her <laughs> her piece de resistance in Sean Figgins. I mean, this guy was still has so... not fixed her window. Really, no, hasn't. Well, it it fuels her. That rage fuels her. You can't you can't get rid of the fuel. But this is a guy in Figgins who was an incredible baseball player when he was with the Angels. Yeah, from two thousand two thousand two to two thousand nine, he wasn't. He wasn't going to blow you away with power. He had basically no power in his swing. Yeah. But he did so many other things that made him a great addition to that roster. I mean, which is you why look they at, brought him on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it you makes, look at his makes perfect sense. You look at his Angels career. He played there for 8 years. Mm-hmm. He averaged 84 runs a season, 149 hits. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, averaged almost 40 stolen bases a year. Only got caught stealing about 13 times a season. He walked 58 times a year uh, and didn't strike out that much. So those are things that you want to see in, your, in, <laughs> in a baseball player. He, he hit the ball. He got on base. He stole bases. He moved it along. He scored runs. Uh, he finished in the top 25 of MVP voting four different times and was an all-star once in 2009. 2009, also the last year he was in Anaheim, before he came to Seattle as a free agent. Which, which makes sense. I mean, yeah. Seattle's looking to, uh, to build on some of that small ball. They know that there are not a lot of people who are going to be able to hit the ball at a safe co. So bring, why not bring someone in who's going to be able to get on base? That's what Sean Figgins is there to do, my man. He's there to get mm-hmm. on base. That's all he does. That's all he He gets he on does. base, and then he moves, then he moves around those bases, <laughs> scores some runs. Yeah, on paper, like this seemed like a great addition. Because on paper, Sean Figgins was designed to play in Safeco Field. Oh, for sure. Hit it to an open space, advance a runner, just don't strike out. Yeah. And don't hit it at somebody. Yeah. Which are basically the two things that he immediately (laughs) forgot as soon as he signed with Seattle. Yeah, you know, when, when you sign for a four-year deal, they signed him, I should say, in, in, in 2010. When you sign someone for a four-year $36 million deal, you don't expect that they are then going to essentially be out of baseball in the next two years in half yeah. of that deal. Oh, yeah. And 
and that's what happened. It, it, and it's so, it's so weird that his stats drop off like they go off a cliff. And yeah. I know that Safeco is a big park, and I know that you're not necessarily surrounded by the, the kind of buffering talent that you might have been in Anaheim. But, I mean, my God. Yeah. But, look, understandable. It's a new environment. Maybe there's going to be a little bit of drop-off. But everything that made Sean Figgins Sean Figgins in Anaheim, yeah, he just stopped doing in Seattle. He didn't get on base. He didn't take walks. He couldn't steal bases. And so if you, have, if you put all that together and you put it in a package that has basically negative power, mm-hmm. like I think any time he hit a home run, the pitcher then had to justify not being immediately demoted back to AAA. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, and... It, Sean Figgins makes me physically ill. Because the, there are so many things that happen at the same time that it's, you know, if if you say this player was fantastic, he was great at getting on, on base, then all of a sudden that on-base percentage plummets. I get that. Uh, if you're saying that, you know, he was really good at, you know, driving in runs, he was an RBI machine, maybe hitting a lot of sack flies, things like that, and then that drops off, Okay. But for everything to take kind of the precipitous fall that it did at the exact same time, mm-hmm. it just seems so bizarre and rare, and, and it leads me to drink. It really does. Understandably so. Are you, uh, are you going to be with me on this? Yeah, Sean Figgins is driving me to drink as well. Okay. Um, and in honor of Sean Figgins, I have switched to wine. <laughs> And much like Sean Figgins, it's full of sour grapes. <laughs> but unlike Sean Figgins, mm-hmm. uh, that those sour grapes probably took a little longer than you know ten games into the season in order to you know to give up on life. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I I also commend you for for drinking wine this late into the evening. I figured I, I was going to end up saying something catty, so I might as well fuel it. <laughs> does, your, does your wife know that, that I've kind of, my habits have rubbed off on you? Or, or, like, or the Mariners kind of emotions have rubbed off on you? Does she know that? She understands. Know? Oh, she is. She understands. Okay. She's watched Seattle uh, <laughs> destroy me year after year. I can't imagine why she doesn't want to watch it on TV with you. I know, right? <laughs> with how much joy it brings us, why wouldn't our wives want to sit in a room with us while we, while we commit opening up a vein? Yeah. I, I, I do think the more that we talk about it, because we do need to make sure that we make it clear, you and I, Tyler, we know each other socially. Yes, we do. That is to say, we from time to time have been known to frequent the same parks with it's our true. offspring mm-hmm. and our spouses together, um, where they get to run around and swing on the swings, and then mm-hmm. our children also play. Yeah, they um, also get to do stuff. Yeah, somebody's watching them, I'm sure. But, <laughs> not us. Not you know, not at we all. beat them to the swings, so <laughs> you know, um, get get a little bit faster. Then maybe we can talk. <laughs> that said, I think we need to do a Y O Wives episode where we. We bring them in on it and ask them how they feel about our feelings about the Mariners. <laughs> I think that would be, open up a whole new can of worms. 
as to unhappiness associated with baseball. <laughs> and their general apathy towards baseball in general is um, that, again, it's a perfect segue into Sean Figgin. Yeah, absolutely. I think because he <laughs> represents back. that same type of apathy, I think. <laughs> and you look at, like, let's, let's just put his drop-off into perspective. So yeah. in Anaheim, he's an excellent player. Mm-hmm. He's a key piece of a. They win a World Series. <sighs> he comes to Seattle mm-hmm. and hits below his career average in every season in these categories. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Now, clear your schedule, because this is going to take a while. Runs, hits, doubles, triples, home runs, RBI, stolen bases, batting average, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, on-base plus slugging, and total bases. Basically, every statistical category that you are measured (laughs) by as a hitter, Figgins hit below his career average. I wonder if he, like... I wonder if he got some kind of tropical disease and just never disclosed it. Like, he was just trying to be really cool about it. But but we know how uncool he is about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think he's the outbreak monkey that got Franklin <laughs> Gutierrez? Oh, no. Oh, we should talk about the, uh, the walking patient zero that is Franklin Gutierrez. He got it from somewhere. He, Not saying he, he got a... it from Sean Figgins. I'm just saying... He might have gotten it from Sean Figgins. Glass Bones Gutierrez, I think they call him. (laughs) Yeah. Just every time something happens, something explodes. (laughs) We should do an all-injury team. Yeah. For the Seattle Mariners. That would be be great. Mm -hmm. That's that's really hard to do, by the way. Being, Being that bad at so many things for what was essentially two and a half seasons. Yeah, that you were previously pretty good at. Well, not just pretty good at. I mean, the guy led the league in stolen bases uh, a couple of years. He was an all-star. I mean, it's, it's, it's weird. It's really weird. Yeah, he left all of that in Anaheim. <laughs> From a sabermetric standpoint... Looking at what he did in Anaheim versus what he did in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so his runs above league average with the Angels, 78. With the Mariners... Which is incredible. Yeah, it's excellent. The Mariners, negative 51, which is the opposite end of the spectrum. Wins added by a player. With the Angels, he added 8.4 wins. With the Mariners, negative 5.2. Wins above a replacement... Angels, 22.2. Mariners, negative 0.9. So if Seattle had just put a cardboard cutout <laughs> of Adrian Beltre out there, they would have been better served than having Sean Figgins in the lineup. <laughs> I, I, oh, man. We should say the wins above replacement war is kind of increasingly becoming a metric that a lot of sites and a lot of ball clubs will look at when we talk about the measure of a, of a player. How many wins are you adding for your team above anyone else in the league who could be replacing you at that time? Um, and having a war of 22.2 is really good. That's excellent. Um, not a lot of people get above 20. Having a war of negative .09 after having a war of 22.2 
is it's it's like he had some kind of civil war battlefield amputation mm-hmm. of a major limb. It's it's totally weird. It's totally weird. You know what I think probably happened? And now this is all going to make sense. <laughs> Does it all finally click for you? It all finally comes together. <laughs> what we had was a Prince and the Popper situation uh-huh. where uh, Sean Figgins' identical twin <laughs> convinced him to trade places. Now, Sean Figgins' identical twin mm-hmm. was probably like a garbage truck driver uh, and had never played baseball in his life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that person took over Sean Figgins' career, which explains the precipitous fall-off as he exited the league unceremoniously. And then Sean Figgins is probably somewhere being very happy just driving a garbage truck all day long. <laughs> uh, I, I will say Sean Figgins' brother, um, still fantastic uh, batting average for a garbage truck driver. Though. Yeah. I mean, he did really yeah. well. Yeah, when you put it in terms of a garbage truck driver who has never played baseball, <laughs> the man should be commended. We don't give that guy nearly enough credit. You really made me feel bad about, about everything that happened because hearing that statistical drop-off makes you wonder what the hell happened to the guy. And it's, 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 it's honestly, it's just not easily explainable. It, Again, if it sounds like I'm having trouble wrapping my head around this and like and putting it into words, it's because it's it's just weird. And we'll get to it later on. And you teased it a little bit. The stat of the podcast, this one moment that we keep mm-hmm. referring to, in in my head, I keep going, can that really be it? Can can that one thing cause someone so talented to drop off the face of the earth? Well, if you listen to Sean Figgins tell it, <laughs> absolutely. So, so let me let me um, let me run through a little bit of a bit of the kind of the background that goes into the incredibly poor decision making by the Mariners in uh, retrospect that leads to this. And uh, you you stop me when we get to that point, dear listeners. It will be earlier than you expect. <laughs> That Sean Vickens gets to his breaking point. Because if we're being honest with ourselves, and I think we are, Tyler, mm-hmm. um, Sean Figgins is considered by many to be one of the worst free agent signings in Mariners history. Mm-hmm. I saw it described as Sean Figgins was on the Mount Rushmore of poor free agent signings in, for the Seattle Mariners. Do you know the other, uh, the other three presidents of that Rushmore? Uh, Richie Sexton, after his first two years. Oh, boy. Jared Washburn. Oh, boy. Yep. Carlos Silva. Oh, Carlos Silva. Yes. Yes. Oh, man. And we will talk about all three of them. We will, yeah. <laughs> they will all get their own, their own podcasts. Again, this is all... We're, we're working from hindsight, which is both 2020 and incredibly depressing. Mm-hmm. Um, which is that, you know, now we regard Sean Figgins as one of the worst free agency signings. But at the time, we're thinking of him as really kind of building on some success and being someone who's going to be a catalyst for kind of a new guard, if you will, in Seattle. Because, as you noted before, with his stats, I mean, so 2009, the guy's coming off statistically his best season. 
He's an all-star. Finishes in the top 10 in AL MVP voting. He had he finished 10th and had his career high in wins above replacement, that war statistic that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. So there might not be anyone that you want more. So at the Yeah, point, and then when sense. you think... When you think of his versatility, mm-hmm. his ability to hit at the top of the order, mm-hmm. pairing him with Ichiro, yeah, I mean, that's I mean, how could this go wrong? Um, quickly, yes, yeah. and to a startling degree. <laughs> to a startling degree. So, Jackie Z, Jack Sorensic, they're building off of a, of an eighty-five and seventy-seven season in two thousand nine. So, one of the few. Um, winning seasons that they've had since their success in the early 2000s. And so you go, okay, well, we're losing a couple of pieces, one being the other third baseman that we'll eventually talk about in Adrian Beltre. Mm-hmm. So he opts for free agency. Um, who do you get to replace Beltre but a guy that can, at the time, get on base seemingly more who's going to be more valuable as a base runner to you, you might lose some of that defense, but you're probably mm-hmm. making up for that in someone who's actually be able to score some more runs. Yeah, you lose, you, you take a hit on the defense, you take a hit on the power, but you get a guy that you're expecting to be on base a lot, steal a lot of bases, and score some runs. Mm-hmm. So they, they already have, um, as it turns out, a pretty good second baseman in Jose Lopez, which is a, a, just a weird thing to say. <laughs> um, so they move him to, him to third because mm-hmm. Figgins is a is a second baseman. They're making room for him. It's not like they're not willing to compromise for the guy. And then the 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 freaking wheels come off. Yeah. And 2010, in which Sean Figgins plays in all but one game. Yeah. He has arguably the worst statistical year of his career. Yeah, because if you look at it. Uh, he never hit lower than 267 in any full season with the Angels. In 2010, he hits 257, 10 points lower than any season with Anaheim, and that is as good as he will be for the Mariners. That is the apex of Seattle Sean Figgins. It's, it's just bizarre. And, and not only that, he has his... So he ties his high in strikeouts... Which is, which is another thing. You're not hiring the guy to strike out. You're hiring the guy to get on base. Mm-hmm. He has, I think at the time, would be his second lowest on-base percentage up to that point of his career, and then it continues to get worse. Uh, and, and the rails came off really early. Really, really early. Because 2010, we, we can, again, we can devote a whole episode to two, the... the, the absolute crushing dumpster fire that was the 2010 Mariners season. Yes. But something happened in 2010, Tyler. What, what was that something that happened in 2010? It was a turning point in Sean Figgins' life. And it came just 10 games into <laughs> the season. Wasted no time. No time in immediately having his life ruined. So April 10th, the Mariners are playing the Rangers in Arlington. And late in the game, Wakamatsu decides to pinch hit for Figgins, and he brings in Ken Griffey Jr. Now, Ken Griffey Jr. is a Mariners legend. He's come, but this is his kind of swan song season that we all know ends very poorly. Like even for a, like even for a season with very low expectations from him, <laughs> he underwhelmed. Yeah. 
But but even so, it's it's this like the first week of the season, basically. Yeah. So he gets he gets replaced by Ken Griffey Jr. late in the game. Mm-hmm. Ken Griffey Jr. ends up knocking in the winning run in that game. So you'd think everybody would be happy. Au contraire. You would think. Apparently, Sean Figgins took that very personally. From Mike Salk, quote, he pouted when Ken Griffey Jr. pinch hit for him. A grown adult. A grown a adult. major league baseball player who yes. has probably pinch hit four other people before, at least situationally, mm-hmm. is, uh, what was that word again? Pouting? Yeah. Pouting. Pouting. That's, yes. That is disappointing. It is. <laughs> but here's, here's what's more disappointing. Here's what Sean Figgins says about it. In 2014, four years after the fact, quote, it kind of says it all when you have just signed a $38 million contract and they pinch hit, you, hit for you in the fourth game. It's been four years, and he's trying to get on with a new team after no one has signed him, and he is still talking about this one singular moment. And it really is the moment that set him on a bad path with Seattle, because this was not the only time he butted heads with Seattle oh. uh, managers. Not even in that same season. No, it's like, it's like at this point, you know, it's late in the game, early in the season. They end up playing him, like you said, in every game but one. And he is faced with a decision. Mm-hmm. Do I take this moment and grow from it? Act like an adult? Join my teammates in celebration of a win? Or do I hold on to this moment and then start a brawl in the dugout later in the season? Yeah, I, like... To not have the situational awareness as well. So we should also say he is not being pinch hit for by Russell Brannion or Chris Taylor. He's being pinch hit for by Ken fucking Griffey Jr., man. Yeah. Like, there's there's a kind of like situational awareness that you have to have to say... I understand why this is happening. Yeah. I understand the matchups. I also yeah, you're understand in Seattle. some pressure that's involved. Exactly. So you're in Seattle. Ken Griffey Jr. is is sitting on the bench. Give him a, give him a couple ABs and big and big opportunities, and then you get this moment that's great for him. It's great for the fans. Mm-hmm. Everybody's happy, except for Sean Figgins. Except but for Sean. Figgins. In his yeah, if you look at it though from a statistic, purely a statistical perspective, mm-hmm. it was probably the wrong move by Wakamatsu because Figgins, up to that point, had been trending up. His hitting was 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 trending up. He was doing better at the plate. Griffey's was trending down. Griffey was obviously on his way uh, out of his career. Figgins had just signed. He was going to be like one of the cornerstone guys to build around. So from a purely statistical point of view, it was probably the wrong, wrong move to make. That being said, it worked out. So shut up. Agreed. And, 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 and not only like, you know, did it, did it work out, but you have to understand that in your, in your head when you go, I know that I'm a better player. I know that I'm a better player in this situation have the self-confidence to also say, that's fine. The next time I get up to the plate, I'm still going to continue to hit it. Exactly. And this guy is going to go away in a year. Yeah. And I won't. 
Exactly. That's what, see, that's what an adult would say. Would say. <laughs> but you, like, you have to think about it. Like, baseball is not just about the statistics. There's so much about feel, about who's hot, who's mm-hmm. not, who's swinging the bat well. Maybe Wakamatsu saw something that, like, Griffey was loose that day, or he was seeing the ball real well from the dugout, being able to call it what the pitchers were doing. Mm-hmm. Maybe he had made friends with a young child who saw uh, an apparition of an angel massaging Ken Griffey Jr.'s shoulders. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, that angel obviously then realized he was, he was on the wrong AL West team <laughs> because those angels only help their own. So they only help teams with angel nicknames. Yeah. So he immediately left after then. Mariners in the outfield did not do nearly as well as the box office. It didn't. No, it's harder to root for like an old curmudgeonly sea captain <laughs> who just yells and drinks and yells some more. <laughs> Throwing nets at people and just, yeah. you know, the smell of fish. I totally mm-hmm. get it. Yeah. Um, not as many uh, endearing sequels either. No. Yeah, it, and it may feel like we are... Uh, really trying to hammer this point home, you know, in terms of this one event being that kind of turning point. But you have to understand that Sean Figgins also feels that this is the turning point. Like, we are not making this up. Yeah. He is quoted, this is when he is now trying to make it with the Los Angeles Dodgers. This is 2014. He did not play in 2013. He didn't. Um, he's he tried to. to. Yeah, well, he, he tried. No one wanted to he, do. He tried. He was in spring with the Florida Marlins, mm-hmm. a bad Florida Marlins team, and didn't make it out of spring. Uh, he was apparently very surprised that he didn't make it out of spring. I'm sure because he was. <laughs> he didn't know how he couldn't make the team after batting, quote, 308 in spring training. He, has hi- he highlighted he did nothing that spring other than highlight his spring statistics. Yikes. As if, like, those meant absolutely anything. Um, now, but let's look at those. Let's look at those spring t- statistics, because I do have them pulled up. Oh, no. Yes, he hit 308. That's 8 for 26 with 8 singles. Oh, boy. So he had 8 base hits. That was it. Didn't get any extra base hits. <laughs> didn't steal any bases. He had eight singles and was like, put me on the roster, coach. I'm ready. Boom. Um, put me in, coach. Um, <laughs> there's that drop-off. There's that turning point in 2010. And then things just tumble on from there. Part of that, it, I mean, you have to kind of wonder if the Mariners as a team were performing better that year, if that would not have maybe affected him so much as well. Um I mean, he's coming from an extremely competitive Los Angeles Angels team. Mm-hmm. Um, to go to a Mariners team in 2010, um, that is just, I, I cannot stress this enough, a complete dumpster fire. Yeah. Um, everything, everything that they were hoping would break well for them did not oh. that year. It, it, and then a lot broke. of the things, yeah, a lot of the things that were like, well, we can survive that bad outcome were like 10 times worse than they imagined it would. And everything was just terrible. Yeah. I know that we've talked about, so, you know, in the, in the first episode, we mentioned that my worst Mariners moment, that is from the 2010, that is a 2010 mm-hmm. moment. Um, Sean Figgins, two worst moments. 
aren't from the 2010 season. Uh, yeah, I feel like you and him have a lot in common. You guys could <laughs> would probably really hit it off. I, I imagine he probably drinks as much when he thinks about his, uh, his statistics as I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you have that first episode really, really early on in the season, which sets the tone. And then from there, the Mariners are in the middle of an absolute nosedive mm-hmm. when you get to the second incident. Yes. So that season in July, Sean Figgins starts a fight in the dugout in a 2-1 loss uh, to Boston. Mm-hmm. This one at home. It was in the middle of the game. So the game's not even over. It's not like, oh, we lost. I'm mad at you. Let's have it out. This is in the middle of the game in a one-run game. Like, this is still a highly competitive game. But they should probably all be focused on trying to score a run. To be fair, do you think Sean Figgins knows the Mariners' historical averages with losing one-run games? Because they're very good at it. They're excellent at it, yeah. <laughs> so maybe he was like, oh, we're down one. This game's over. It's over. It's done. Yeah. <laughs> so he went into hockey mode, and he's like, well, I might as well fight somebody. But he forgot that in hockey, you usually fight the other team, not your own team. Mm. Did not do his homework all the way, is what you're saying. Did not, no. Well, it, it, it really all started from a, uh, a, a classic that would become kind of well-known... Uh, around Seattle, a Sean Figgins fielding issue. Um, because that was something else that uh, Seattle was not accustomed to because, again, they're coming from Adrian Beltre, who is, when he's playing on defense, suddenly becomes the Hulk. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, with agility. Yeah. Um, so, like, the Hulk after several years of hot yoga. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden... They're dealing with Figgins, who I think emotionally is not invested. Certainly not emotionally invested on the, at the plate. And no, they took him out of a game in the first week of the season. How could he possibly? <laughs> how could he possibly buy in? It's not like there are a hundred and sixty more games where he could demonstrate value. <laughs> yeah, where he could be like, "Hey, remember that one time? Maybe don't do that next time." Instead of going, "No, you did this one time." And then he I'm and out. then he checked out. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and he's not just checking out uh, in the batter's box. He's checking out on the field. So they're dealing with that. And this is kind of exemplary of that. I mean, to an extreme degree, it wasn't happening like this all the time. But essentially, Michael Saunders, who I believe still holds the nickname the Condor, which is yes. kind of amazing. Um, Michael Saunders <laughs> throws it in. Um, from right field, it sails over Jack Wilson's uh, head and is going towards Sean Figgins, and uh, he just stands there. He just stands there and lets the ball go past him. This this ball hit, of course, by uh, ex Mariner and probably former or uh, future episode Mike Cameron, mm-hmm. who th- who then moves from from second to third on what was not just an error, but really a lack of giving a shit. Yeah. Um, Or as Don Wakamatsu put it in the understatement of the year, quote, I didn't think there was much effort in that backup. (laughs) Very restrained Don Wakamatsu. (laughs) Yeah. 
And then from there, it uh, it spiraled, one might say. It really did. Because when they got back into the dugout, Wakamatsu was like, I'm, I'm benching you. And the, re- the response should have been, well, yeah, obviously. Makes sense. Yeah. Figgins took a different approach. So an argument breaks out between Figgins at one end and Wakamatsu on the other end. So they're on opposite ends of the dugout yelling at each other. They are yelling so loud and causing such a scene that a ball girl apparently passing in front of the dugout stopped to watch the scene with her mouth agape. (laughs) So while Figgins is shouting, Russell Branyan is interceding. Mm -hmm. Jose Lopez is trying to get between the two. Lopez then gets pushed back by a teammate toward the far end of the dugout. Several other Mariners get involved, including the hitting coach. The starting pitcher that day, Jason Vargas, who was really stoked that even though Cameron got a free pass to third, he stranded him there to keep the game close. He was pumped. So he's celebrating this. He comes into the dugout, and now he is in between two guys trying to fight each other. Those two guys, of course, being the guy who let Cameron get to third and his manager. <laughs> it's, it's just an absolute... It's just an absolute cluster. So yeah, Jose Lopez, I think, ended up getting his his jersey torn off of him. Like, how? What? It's how it's does a, that happen? It's a bad sign. Yeah, it's a, it's a bad sign. And and again, this is not happening in a vacuum. The Mariners had lost. I think it was this was their sixteenth loss in twenty games. Yeah, and they they were admired in the, like a week of just terrible play. Like yeah. they, no, nobody was really playing very well. But so tensions are already high. Tensions I mean, are already we high. We have to give them credit for that. It's it's not like this is in the middle of a ten game winning streak, and you know it, they're they're doing everyone is doing poorly. So I think you're already a little bit stressed out about that. But for someone to check out, and I think maybe that's what my frustration stems from is that um, drops in talent happen. Yeah, slumps, slumps are a part of the game. Slumps now, are a part of the Now, you hope that, that the entire team doesn't slump together. That's not the type of team building that you're looking for. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it sometimes it happens. <laughs> it certainly happened with the 2010 Mariners. Like, drops in talent will, will happen, but checking out of a season, to me, yeah, is Yeah, just pure, pure laziness. Yeah. Just and pure giving up. Sean Figgins, that, if you were listening to this podcast, um, actually, you're probably not. You probably quit 10 seconds in. Boom. <laughs> um, uh, I do not forgive you still no. to this day. So in the aftermath of this, Don Wakamatsu, he was, when he was asked about this, Don Wakamatsu showed that he doesn't really, doesn't really understand the way that like fights work on nationally <laughs> broadcast games. Uh, his quote when he was asked about the scuffle was that everybody in that dugout cares, which is not true, uh, because Sean Figgins had just displayed monumental not caring. <laughs> everybody in the dugout cares. Tempers fly a little bit. What happens in there stays in there. Except it didn't. Yeah. You had a ball girl standing there, mouth agape. Like, that's a, that is a, not a natural stance. <laughs> To have your mouth just agape at a situation. That's something that's usually reserved for car wrecks and meteor strikes, I think. Yeah, like something really startling and disturbing has to happen. 
So in the aftermath of this, Wakamatsu pulls Figgins, understandably so, mm-hmm. and puts in Josh Wilson, who then doubles for in place of Sean Figgins, which is something that Sean Figgins had not done in a month and a half. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So in a, in a month and a half, Sean Figgins hadn't gotten an extra base hit. No, had not gotten an extra base hit. Josh Wilson, come, Josh Wilson comes in after watching the entire team brawl and gets, gets a double right off the bat. Was he given a medal? Uh, he should have been simply for his optimism uh, because, bless his heart, after that game, Josh Wilson was quoted saying, when you play on a team underachieving like we do, there's a lot of tension. A lot of times, this can help. It's a release. Hopefully it leads to some better communication and we can move on. What a sweetheart. I know. He was, he's just too, too pure of heart, I think, for this, for this, for yeah. this team. He didn't no. deserve this. He, he absolutely did not deserve the Seattle Mariners. <laughs> not the 2010 Seattle Mariners. He was, he was too good for them. Yeah, I, I mean, this, this is kind of the, the low point. I mean, unfortunately, the season has to continue for another, you know, five months. But mm-hmm. you have these two... Five months, by the way, that Sean Figgins continues to start in every game. Well, because you really still didn't have another option. You're paying the guy $36 million yeah. to show up every day. Mm-hmm. And, and at some point, you know, you have to feel like this can't be it. This, this can't be all we're going to get. And I understand that. Like, you know, again, in hindsight, we're saying get rid of the guy immediately. But at the time, it's, it just seems like everyone was in this mode of disbelief. Like, there is no way that this is the most we're going to get out of him, that he's this emotionally unstable, mm-hmm. um, that, that we're going to see this kind of statistical uh, bloodletting continue Um, yeah but it it really did he was moved to third in 2011 after jose lopez left because why the hell would you stay i don't know how anybody would why anybody would resign (laughs) he was replaced by adam kennedy at third halfway through 2011 Mm -hmm. so a year and a half into a four-year 36 million dollar contract you are replaced at your primary position Yes. Well, not not, not uh, and, even at your primary position, at your secondary position, because you mm-hmm. are no longer in your primary. Um, yeah. And then in 2012, a new manager, mm-hmm. uh, Eric Wedge, um, bless his heart, again, uh, you know, belonging to that uh, to that group of uh, older men, completely broken by the Seattle Mariners organization. Yeah. Um, announces that he's he's going to be a bench player. But not right away. He gave him an opportunity to start again yeah. in 2012. Yes. He lasted until May 9th when Eric Wedge was like, I have seen enough. He's going to the bench. Yeah. And, and he played in, in, uh, in 2012 for the Mariners. I think he just had like a little over 150 at-bats. Yeah. That's coming from 600 at-bats in, in 2010. Yeah, but like they weren't just like pity at bats. He was the everyday starter at third base, and he batted leadoff that season to start the year because they were hoping that any type of change, anything, 
yeah. would spark something, and he, they would be able to get any kind of production out of him. And they couldn't. They could not. Because he hit uh, 181. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is horrifying. Yeah. After hitting 188 in 2011... Finishes hitting 181 in 2012. Um, in 166 at, at bats, by the way, that being almost so that was uh, 122 at bats, fewer than he did in 2011. All right. Mm-hmm. He actually had six more strikeouts in 2012 than he did in 2011. In all of 2011, uh, 288 at bats, he had 42 strikeouts. In 2012, in 116 at-bats, he had 48. That's, that's incredible. Yeah, that's the wrong kind of efficiency. That, that's not what they were looking for. He struck out in almost a quarter of his at-bats. Yeah. That's nuts. And, and, and therefore, through that play, he has earned himself going out of baseball in 2013, being designated for assignment, not finding anyone to sign with, uh, going into the minor league system for the Dodgers in 2014 and not making the team. Yeah. So, yeah, so in 2012, Seattle decided they are done. They designate him for assignment, and they basically pay him $8 million to go away. Like, they would rather pay him <laughs> to have him not be there than to try and squeeze blood out of this stone for another season. I would. So he gets released. Uh, they pay him the remaining $8 million on his contract. And he misses out, strangely enough, on a $9 million performance-triggered option that he had for 2014. <laughs> that was the safest $9 million that the Seattle Mariners have ever promised anyone. <laughs> Turns out. Do you, do you think they like lowered their standards, too? They're like, we will pay you... Oh my God, Sean, we will give you $5 if you can hit a double at, at any at-bat this year. And he was like, you know what, guys? I'm done. Yeah, I'll just take the $8 million that you <laughs> owe me, and I will not oh, run that extra man. 90 feet for that double. This is another one of those, like, and I think this should be a reoccurring thing now that we've done it with Ayala, um, just because I am really curious now, uh, where are they now? Yeah, I want to know what Sean is doing now. Well, here's the thing. He just retired this spring. No. Yeah, he officially just retired. So he gets released by Seattle in 2012, tries to get on with Miami in 2013, but doesn't make it out of spring, sits out the 2013 season, gets a minor league deal with the Dodgers in 2014, Mm -hmm. plays very sparingly, and then gets cut after the 2014 season. Sits out the entire 2015 season, then waits around until like mid-spring 2016 before signing a one-day deal with the Angels and, and officially retiring. That is the definition of not giving up the dream when you should absolutely just give up the dream. Why? So, and, and that's what's so weird. Like, you're, you're, gi- you're not giving up on the dream far after you've clearly given up on the field. Yeah. He wanted yeah, it's to a be weird, a star it's a weird dichotomy. the effort. I, I, yeah. It's just weird. I don't, well, it is weird. And you could tell, like, every time he was trying to catch on someplace, he would go back to that one moment in Seattle. That one moment. <laughs> it was tough. 
it's tough to really get on track when they take you out of they they take away one at bat in the first week of the season, your first week on the team for a guy who's their the best player in franchise history. It's tough. It's a tough hurdle to overcome, and he's never seemingly overcome it. But he's not. He's never like come out and said like this is the one point that totally ruined my career. But he will not stop talking about it. I told you this as we were as we were prepping for this episode. I feel like Sean Figgins is the kind of guy that would have like a like a, a false door in his house and then you just go down the set of stairs and it gets darker and darker things are lit by candles you know there's a lot of wax falling down on the side and then it just opens up into a room and it's just pictures of ken griffey jr with the eyes cut out yeah and, he, and he, he, there's maybe like in the middle of the room it's a it's a home plate like a like a homemade home plate and he just swings and swings and swings alone in the dark for hours and there's just the video of ken griffey jr's hit in the ninth inning against the (laughs) rangers playing on loop over and over and over and over it's 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 scary and sad all at the same time but mostly as a mariners fan just just frustrating yeah (laughs) so because i am both a mariners fan and a huge nerd I, I wanted to do some extra math because one thing that baseball provides us is a lot of great statistics. And I, mm-hmm. and I thought, man, it'd be great if, if I could make some statistics out of those statistics. I came up with um, essentially the 162-game average, so an average year for Sean Figgins and three of his contemporaries at both second and third base. And uh, those three people are one Mr. Jose Lopez, mm-hmm. one uh, bat flip Brett Boone, mm-hmm. and Dustin, I can't think of a good nickname for him, Ackley. Um, we'll call him Dustin Disappointing. <laughs> Dustin Ackley. <laughs> I, I, I definitely think that that's it. And, so yeah, no, okay. none of these guys, by the way, are going to be going in the Mariners' ring of honor at any point. No, no. I mean, Brett Boone might just because he happened to be playing in 2001. Yeah. But really, it's accidental. Um, it's ac- That's more of a right place, right time situation. Right place, right time, maybe right growth hormones yeah you know that's the right the right combination of uppers and uh cycling off and you know (laughs) i'm not i'm not here to make any claims i don't want to ruin any careers i just i'm his head was small that's all i'm just saying so yeah jose lopez playing um at that position playing at second before sean so immediately before sean 2004 to 2010 uh Brett Boone playing on and off that position before Jose Lopez, and then Dustin Ackley coming in and playing after him. So, <laughs> Sean Figgins, 162-game average for his his batting average in Seattle, he hit 209. 209. Yeah. Poor. Um, with just 126 hits and 157 total bases. on An on-base percentage under 300. So, 2.81, and uh, just 32 R- RBIs. That's averaging out everything that he did in Seattle to a, a one season mm-hmm. uh, of quote-unquote production. Amazingly, he actually outperformed 
Jose Lopez, Brett Boone, and Dustin Ackley in only three categories. Stolen bases, walks, and sacrifice hits. I'm actually surprised it's that many. <laughs> in every other possible but, statistical yeah. category, runs, hits, doubles, triples, home runs, RBIs, caught stealing, uh, strikeouts, batting average, on-base percentage, slugging percentage, on-base plus slugging, and total bases, every other second baseman performed better than he did. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not great. Since 2001, so that famous 2001 season, mm-hmm. only Sean Figgins has had a sub-200 total base average. So that's behind Jose Lopez, Brett Boone, and Dustin Hackley, which is, which is interesting because we, and I think this is most surprising for Mariners fans considering the recent history of Dustin Hackley and kind of feeling that frustration to mm-hmm. know that as bad as he may have been, Sean Figgins was demonstrably worse. He was he was an incredible upgrade over what he replaced. Yeah. Uh, Dustin Ackley's batting average while with Seattle was two forty two, which is mm-hmm. bad. It's not good. It's 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 subpar middling to average. Mm-hmm. Figgins was thirty three points lower than that at two oh nine. He was barely yeah. above the Mendoza. And that's only because his first year, there was still some of that Anaheim glow about him. And not much. No, not a whole lot. But he still hit over 200, which is the only season he did that. He stole uh, a good number of bases, which is the only year he did that. So uh, the first year he was in Seattle, he stole 42 bases, the same number he did in 2009. After that, in the next two years, 15 bases he stole. Total. So that kind of skews his average a little bit, but it also goes to highlight how incredible a drop-off he had. Yeah, and, and, and we should note, he did play in far fewer games in 2011 and in 2012, but that, mm-hmm. that ratio of um, at-bats to stolen bases is way worse in 2011 and in 2012 than it is in 2010. Like the, the, yeah. it's, it's it's not just that those raw numbers drop off, it's that the actual ratio drops off too. And 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 that's it's just it's just really bad. And if you ever wanted a reason in your heart to try and appreciate Dustin Ackley, <laughs> it would be it would be knowing what Sean Pickens did in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just it's just nuts. It's it's it it really is, and it, it makes me angry, and it it drives me to drink, and uh, I'm I'm really glad that we are almost done. <laughs> we have plotted our way through the muck. I might be more upset now than I was when we started this. Far more than I was with Ayala. I don't know why. <laughs> Do we have a my oh my for Sean? Oof. Um, for, for every Y-O-Y, there is also another Y-O-Y. Yeah. There is a, um, a YouTube video that is called Sean Figgins 2010 to 2013 Highlights. And, it is uh, somehow 10 minutes long. It, it is 10 minutes long, and the second comment on that YouTube video is from a man named James Jackson who says, Holy shit, you made a Figgins compilation of his days in Seattle. I didn't think such things existed. <laughs> <laughs> which is amazing 
This makes more sense when you learn that this was put together by the Los Angeles Dodgers trying to justify why they were going to trust Sean Figgins with a roster spot (laughs) that season. Oh, boy. So so we might not have a... We might not have a Myomai is what you're saying. It uh, looks like he hit a triple once. <laughs> so one of the highlights is a bloop single that scores Ichiro from second base because the fielder tried to barehand it and it fell out of his hands. Now, even with the fielder misplaying it, Sean Figgins stayed at first base. Well, yeah, because why wouldn't you? Can, can we just say that, you know, his... His my oh my is is leading us to make this podcast. His my oh my moment is that he is an inspiration of disappointment, of <laughs> of slight alcoholism, <laughs> of a lot of swearing. Semi-professional podcasting. Semi-professional podcasting. So when you look at it that way, I mean, his list of accomplishments is just huge. Yeah, it's really it's really significant. Well then. I guess we should we should wrap it up so we can we can both cry ourselves to sleep. Yeah. We should say though some general updates on the podcast. If you have any questions, any any comments, if Sean Figgins has taken pictures of you and cut out the eyes, please email us. Because we really want to talk to Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> we really do. Uh, any any reason at all to talk to you, Ken? Yoypodcast at gmail dot com. Tell us about some of the people that maybe you want to hear about uh, or some of the people that have driven you uh, to almost make a podcast, email us. We want to hear about it, man. And then uh, we're also, you know, we are we're legit now. We are on iTunes, my friend. We are, yeah. Kind of a big deal. Rate and review us on iTunes. Yes, please. Give us those gold stars. We crave it. Uh, and stay tuned on our Facebook page. We will continue to post updates awesome uh not really highlight videos of sean figgins well my friend i think uh i think that does it for this week we'll uh we'll see you